listening to Sound Prince Audio Magazine, a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. Sound Prince is underwritten by the American Printing House for the Blind and the Louisville Downtown Lions Club. I'm Carla Rushevel. I'm your host for this week's magazine. Welcome to Sound Prince for the week of April 24, 2022. The Council of Citizens with Low Vision International will award three individuals with low vision, an iPad, and a carrying case. This annual award is in honor of Samuel Janinski, an innovator in low vision technology and founding president of CCLVI. The iPad can be used as a magnification device to read mail and documents, recipes, the back of packages, and more. The iPad will also allow those with low vision the ability to read their emails, and search the web. Using the accessibility feature within the iPad and by downloading the Maglite app, people with low vision can live more independently. Applications are being taken now through May 15 at 11.59 p.m. Eastern Time. For more information, please visit the Janinski Award page at https colon slash slash cclvi.info slash magnifier, M-A-G-N-I-F-I-E-R. The Greater Louisville Council of the Blind will hold its spring auction on Saturday, May 14, from 2 to 5 p.m. on the KCB Zoom line. Anyone can listen and bid, regardless of where you live because all you need is a telephone to join the fun. The auction will be filled with food, jewelry, technology, designer bags, music boxes, and many other exciting items. Proceeds from this auction will help to underwrite the cost of our weekly roundabouts. GLCB once again invites other KCB chapters to participate in the auction. If a chapter donates items to the auction, or if an individual donates items in the name of a chapter, that chapter will receive 50% of the amount raised by those items. For more information about the auction and how to contribute items, contact us at 502-895-4598. The South Central Kentucky Council of the Blind holds its social hour Zoom call every Wednesday from 2 to 3 p.m. Central, 3 to 4 p.m. Eastern. Some weeks there's a speaker. Other weeks there's just good conversation, making friends, and sharing tips and ideas. To join the call, dial 669-900-6833 and use the Zoom code 763-689-4411. The first Saturday in May will soon be here, and that means it's time for the GLCB Kentucky Derby Party. This year's event will be both in-person and virtual. Doors will open at United Crescent Hill Ministries in Louisville at 10.30 a.m. And there will be lots of food and games and friends all day long. In-person attendees need to make return rides by 8 to 8.30 p.m. that evening. Cost for the in-person party is $6 per person. The Zoom line will welcome everyone who cannot come in person, whether you live in Kentucky or California or Florida or Alaska and at all points in between. The virtual part of the party on Zoom will begin at 2 p.m. and will include bingo, our traditional horse race games, and derby trivia. There will be derby jackpots so everyone can have a chance to be a winner.
Save Saturday, May 7, for a day of good old Kentucky fun. If you're coming to the party in person, give us a call at 502-895-4598 so we can make sure to have plenty of food on hand. The Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision will hold its business meeting on Wednesday, May 4 at 8 p.m. And there will also be a roundabout on Zoom on Saturday, April 30 from 2 to 4 p.m. on Zoom. The speaker for the roundabout will be Lucy Edmonds, and she'll be sharing lots of accessible games that you can play on your Alexa device. To join these calls, dial 669-900-6833 and enter the code 862-9889-6972. The Kentucky Council of the Blind is now accepting applications for our technology grant program. Assistive technology is considered to be hardware, software, electronic devices, subscription services, equipment, etc. that is standalone or works in conjunction with a computer or other such electronic device that makes it possible for blind people to do things that sighted people can already do without using assistive technology. The Assistive Technology Grant Program widely covers both hardware and software-based assistive technology, upgrades and maintenance agreements, subscription services, computers, and other standalone electronic devices. Only new assistive technology, computers, and electronic devices will be covered, including technology upgrades to newer versions. Used or previously owned assistive technology, computers, and electronic devices will not be covered. Guidelines. Grants may be awarded to any Kentuckian who is visually impaired. Visual impairment is defined as visual acuity of 2070 or less in the better corrected eye and or 20 degrees or less visual field in the better corrected eye. Depending on availability of funds, grants may be awarded to visually impaired KCB members in good standing as of March 15 of the current year in amounts up to 75% of the total cost of the technology requested, with the total amount of a grant not to exceed $1,500. Grants may be awarded to persons who are not members of KCB up to 25% of the total cost of the technology requested, with the amount of the grant not to exceed $600. Award recipients will be responsible for providing the portion of the cost of such products or services not covered by the KCB Technology Award. For complete information and to download an application, visit the KCB website at www.kentucky-acb.org and follow the grants link at the top of the page. Chris Peterson, owner of a company called Penny Forward, presented a program on managing your assets, budget, and credit at the KCB Next Generation meeting on February 24 of this year. The program was packed with tips and ideas for improving your financial health. Thanks to Next Generation for allowing us to include this presentation on page 2 on this week's Soundprints. 
For more information about KCB Next Generation, contact Ben Wright by phone or text at 734-968-8211 or Matt Salm at 859-802-1358. To suggest future SoundPrints programs or to give us feedback on our programs, give us a phone call at 502-895-4598 or email us at kcb at kentucky-acb.org. Page 2. This is the Kentucky Council of Wine Next Generation uh, monthly virtual hangout call, if you will. We have a speaker tonight. His name is Chris Peterson. He's in charge of the Penny Forward movement, and I'm sure we can get Chris to talk about what that is during his time to get time to this evening that we have him. And he also leads the financial sense calls that happen on the third Thursday of the month, I believe. Without further ado, we'll give it over to Chris. And Matt, if you're missing anything, just let me know and we'll go from there. Hey, thank you. Uh, good evening. I'm Chris Peterson. I am the founder and the president and CEO of Penny Forward. Penny Forward is a nonprofit organization incorporated in the state of Minnesota. And our mission is to help blind people navigate the complicated landscape of, of personal finance through education, mentoring, and mutual support. And we are in the process of developing and we're about to release uh, some affordable and accessible financial literacy education programs for people who are blind. Starting with, because it's tax season, a, uh, an online course on taxes. And all these are kind of beginner entry level courses that if you're unfamiliar with, with money management um, and you just want to become a better manager of money or you, or you want to know more about doing your taxes, more about investing, uh, these things are, are designed to help you get started. Over time, we'll, we'll develop more advanced courses and release them. And we're also working with agencies like uh, state rehab agencies and, and private uh, service providers to put, up, put together some instructor-led uh, courses for people as well. Uh, one of our most prominent offerings right now doesn't cost anything. It is the Penny Forward podcast. It's a podcast about blind people building bright futures one penny at a time. And uh, our guest this week, because we just had an episode released on Tuesday, is George Wurzel. George has been a, a woodworker for the last 50 years. He's blind. He has retinitis pigmentosa, and he calls himself a, an overachiever because his retinitis pigmentosa began affecting his vision uh, when he was an infant, which uh, if you know anything about RP is, is kind of rare. A lot of people don't experience any uh, vision loss from RP until they're in their teens or twenties. And some people get lucky enough to not experience that until much later in life. 
So George has been doing woodworking as a blind person since, uh, since he was a kid. Um, and he credits his time at the Michigan school for the blind for uh, helping to, to develop his talent. And he turned that talent into a, a series of businesses and other, other things that he's done over the last 50 years um, that uh, have, have made him very successful. His uh, current project is he's he's uh, bought a building in Greenville, Tennessee, where he's uh, got an art gallery um, and a wood shop, and he also lives there. And uh, he is working with the American Foundation for the Blind on producing 100 replicas of Helen Keller's desk. Uh, this is a desk that was built in around 1919. Uh, the original burned up in a fire, but uh, they were able to find uh, photographs of it that had enough detail that they were able to figure out what desk it was and uh, come up with plans for it so that they could build a, uh, a pretty, pretty accurate replica. And uh, um they're hoping that that ends up in libraries for the blind, um, offices of, of blindness-related service providers, and, and so forth. George also teaches, um, but he is 68 years old, so he says if you want to learn woodworking from him, you better do it fast because he uh, doesn't know how much longer he's going to be able to teach, but he uh, invites people to come to his place in Tennessee and, and work with him. And if you do that, well, he is working on these desks, the Helen Keller desks. Um, you're going to get to build with him uh, one of those desks. You know, it may just be a small part of it, but you're also going to get to sign that desk uh, so that your, uh, your signature is on it wherever it ends up going for, uh, for however long it lasts. And that is a pretty cool thing. Anyway, enough about George. That's our current guest on the Penny Forward podcast, but we've got a bunch of other great episodes up. Um, so I hope that you'll think about uh, um, taking a listen to them and, and subscribing to that podcast. Our website is pennyforward.com. And uh, there you can find the podcast. You can find out uh, more about Penny Forward, the, uh, the nonprofit organization, and the other members of our team. You can make a donation right now. All of our, uh, all of our funding is coming from private donations. So if you feel so compelled, that would be very much appreciated and uh, will we'll get us rolling. Um, and you can find blog posts and, and podcast episodes, and, and we've got them organized um, Nicely, and we're working on making that organization even better uh, so that uh, you can go and browse them by category and figure out what you're looking for. And uh, if you're interested in the taxes course that I mentioned, um, there will be a fee for that, but it will be affordable. And uh, information about that will be posted to pennyforward.com or, or to our social media presences. Um, so if you're interested in that, uh, uh, stay tuned there or send us an email at pennyforward at pennyforward.com 
and let us know that you're interested and we will keep track of those emails and let you know when that course goes live sometime in the next month or so. One of the reasons that I founded Penny Forward is, is because uh, I learned a lot about managing my money um, as a blind person as I, as I grew up. And I didn't know, you know pretty much anything when I started when I was 18 years old um, and I moved out on my own. And so I made a lot of mistakes that I hope to be able to help some people avoid. Uh, and I had, um, I had a lot of successes along the way, but a lot of them were by accident or just because I was willing to try something. And, and I would encourage all of you to be willing to try something new because, uh, you can effectively teach yourself, um, and you can work with people to learn. And I, I just think that it's a good skill to have to be curious and to be brave enough to, uh, to try something new once in a while. But if you think that having a little bit of, of background might help you out, if some of the terms around investing or taxes or, or budgeting or credit maybe sound like a foreign language to you, then uh, we might be able to help you. And that's what we're here for. We're also looking for volunteers. If you are somebody that feels like the mission of Penny Forward resonates with you and you might be willing to volunteer to help us work on our website or produce the podcast or, um, or teach or develop uh, content, uh, either course content or blog posts or whatever, um, we would love to hear from you. Because right now we, we literally have, uh, you know, $5,000 in our, in our checking account, but, uh, um, the only way that we're going to expand is by, is by getting ourselves out there and volunteers are going to be a big part of that. So if, uh, that might be you, I would love to get to know you again. You can email pennyforward at pennyforward.com. Uh, I unfortunately don't have a phone number to give you. We're working on that. Um, and I hope to have news uh, with regard to that in the next month or so as well. But uh, that isn't that isn't quite available yet. Okay, so the uh, the topic that I was given to speak about tonight is simple ways to give your wallet some love, and. Uh, I'm going to start by saying that one of the best ways to give your wallet some love is to find some way, somehow, to set aside a little extra money every time you get paid so that you have a cushion. And that cushion could be used to, to handle emergencies, and emergencies may be real big things, they may be kind of little things, but stuff happens. Uh, and it could be used to take advantage of opportunities. For example, uh, I know uh, a couple of people in the past couple of years who have really struggled to accept a job because they were going to have to move in order to take the job and they weren't sure how they were going to pay for the move. So you wouldn't want to 
pass up an opportunity to do something like accept a job, um, you know, something that could really help you out just because you don't have that little cushion there. And saving is, is a way to do that. And I hope to be able to convince you not on this call necessarily, but I hope to be able to convince you through my work with Penny Forward that even a little bit is worth it. Did you know, for example, um, that if you were a kid and your parent or parents set aside $20 a month for you until you were age 18 and invested that money and received about a 10% rate of return, you would have $12,000. And $12,000 is a lot of money, um, but it's not you know, a huge amount in the grand scheme of things. It might help you buy a car, but it's not going to help you buy a house that much. But think about this. If you then, starting with that $12,000, continue to put $20 a month away until you're in your 60s, say age 65, when you're about ready to retire, you will have over a million dollars. And that million dollars will allow you to draw a paycheck of a little over $2,000 every couple of weeks. So that can really be worth it. And $20 isn't that much money. But if you waited until you were 18 to start investing that money, then you'd probably have to put away over $100 a month to achieve the same result. And if you waited until you're 30 or 35, you might have to put away $500. And if you wait until you're 40, you might have to put away $1,000 to get that same result. So it's a big deal to start early, even if you don't feel like you know what you're doing. And uh, $20 a month isn't that much. If you can do that with $20 a month, what could you do with 40? That's cheap. $40 a month. That's cheaper than my cell phone bill or my internet bill. If I can pay for a cell phone or for internet, I, uh, I certainly should be able to put that away. And, uh, that gives you, that gives you not only money to be able to retire, but it also gives you money that you can draw from to make a down payment on a house. If you want to buy a house. That'll save you a big chunk in your monthly house payment if you decide to do that. Some of us want to buy cars. Sometimes because we like them. Sometimes because we want to hire someone to drive them. Sometimes because we have a sighted partner that, uh, that we want to help out. So, uh, you know, buying cars is a thing too. Assistive technology is expensive. We all know that. Sometimes you can get rehab to help you buy stuff, but uh, when you start working or depending on your circumstances, that isn't always available to you. There are assistive technology loans that you can, uh, you can take advantage of. Being able to do that stuff without, without having to borrow money, um, that can really, really give your wallet some love because if you're not making those loan payments or if you're not... Uh, or if you can reduce your house payment, 
um, if you decide to buy a house, that makes every paycheck go a little bit farther. Makes it easier to make ends meet. So I really believe in saving. And uh, I really believe specifically in saving using an ABLE account. Uh, An ABLE account is a special investment account available to people who are blind or physically disabled who became that way before age 26. Although they're trying to increase that to age 46 and and we hope that they're successful with that. But uh, these are cheap, easy accounts to get. Uh, You're allowed to have up to $100,000 in them and still continue to receive benefits like uh, supplemental security income or SSI from social security um, uh, and other things like Medicaid and uh, food stamps and stuff like that. So uh, they're, they're a great tool. Um, And I encourage you to check them out. So that all falls under the category of, of saving or, I sometimes refer to it as assets, and I, I actually talk about three different things. You can remember just by, just by remembering A, B, C, assets. I'm going to move on now to budgeting, and then later we'll talk about credit. Budgeting. This is how um, we make sure that we have money set aside for things that we know that we need to do. There's different ways for for you to budget depending on the type of person you are. If you're like me, you're not a very detail-oriented person most of the time, and uh, you just want a a simple budget that you can follow without having to think real hard about it. And I follow one called the 50-30-20 budget. Um, And you can change these numbers to whatever fits your situation because these numbers don't work for everybody. But uh, the 50-20-30 budget says um, that you put aside 50% or half of what you get paid. And we're talking take-home pay here if you're uh, if you're working and getting a paycheck, not, not gross pay. So you pay take half of your take-home pay and you put that into a bank account like a checking account or something. And you make sure that you pay all of your basic living expenses, the things that you can't live without or you wouldn't survive out of that account, out of that bucket of money. You set aside 30% or about a third for fun. And I like to do this by by uh, setting up a a separate checking account that I just use for fun. Um, And it doesn't, a lot of banks will let you do this. Some some will even uh, set up what they call virtual envelopes for this kind of thing. Um, But it can be real easy to to even have two checking accounts and and just have have, um, the, the debit card that you pull out when you're going grocery shopping and the debit card that you pull out when you go to a restaurant. Um, and so, uh, so that's the way that we separate those out. 50% or whatever you can do for 
the things that you absolutely need that you couldn't live without. These are things like your housing, your food, um, transportation that gets you to and from work or medical appointments or whatever you need, you know, wherever you can't live without going. Um, you know, basic, uh, basic things like, uh, simple, um, not fashionable, but, you know, just regular everyday wear clothing, um, that isn't too cheap and isn't too expensive shoes. These are the kinds of things that go into that 50% bucket fun money, 30% or about a third. This is going out to eat. This is buying your fancy clothes that you really enjoy where, you know, you, you just buy them because you like them. Um, this is buying, this is, uh, this is your entertainment going out to movies, plays, concerts, things like that. Um, you know, I even put things like sports and participation, participation in, in, uh, things like ACB, uh, into this category. Cause, uh, you could live without them if you had to. So you got to, got to make that priority. And then 20% or the remaining amount of your budget. Um, and again, you can adjust these numbers to whatever you're able to do with your particular situation. So 20% goes into savings in like a, high yield savings account from a, an online bank or an able account is a really good choice. There are other, other ways that you can do saving too. If you have kids doing a 529 college savings plan with, uh, with some of this money might, might be a good idea, but you know, I would encourage you to at least prioritize your, uh, your own stuff first, because this 20% that you're putting away in savings this is what you're going to draw on for, for emergencies that happen in the short term, as well as goals that you have in the long term. So it could be, could be, you know, what happens if something breaks in my house or what happens if a piece of assistive tech that I rely on every day breaks. Those are short-term things. Putting my kids through college or uh, sending them to a private school or sending them to a trade school so they can, they can learn a trade to get a job. That may be a kind of a medium term goal. And then retiring. I don't think any of us are quite ready for thinking about that yet, but retiring is a, is a long-term goal. So, uh, you know, these are all the, the kinds of things that we save for. Um, okay. So you might be thinking, well, how am I going to be able to, to live on 50% of, of what, I, what I get out of my paycheck? I, I have trouble making ends meet as it is. And I get that. And, you, and you're right. If you're only bringing in, say, $2,000 a month, that means you have about $1,000 a month to live on. And a lot of people's rent is $1,000 a month. So, uh, so let's talk about what you can do there. Easiest um, or, or maybe the, the most straightforward, because there isn't anything easy about this, but the most straightforward answer is, is to figure out how to bring in more money. 
um, go to work. If you have a talent that somebody might pay you for, use it. Um, I know people that play music for their churches and, you know, get paid several hundred dollars a, a week to, uh, to just play for a couple of church services on Sunday mornings. Um, so if you're a musician, you know, that could be a way to bring in extra money. If you are a crafter, um, you know, of course you can sell things on Etsy on, online, but you can also go to local craft shows. There is a, a lot of ways to sell your crafts. You just got to let people know that, Hey, I, you know, I make these things and, and I sell them and then pay attention to what people buy and what people don't and make more of what people will buy and make less of what they won't. So that's this, that's a straightforward answer to that is, is uh, see if you can figure out ways to bring in more money. There's, there's lots of them. There's lots of them. But you can also find ways to reduce what you spend. Um, housing is one of the biggest ones. So uh, let's talk about some of the housing options. So there is, uh, there is of course, public housing. Um, by the way, I have some links that I can send out that are, are Kentucky-specific since this is a KCB next generation, um, I, I will send them out to, to Ben and Amanda and uh, um, they can distribute them to the group. But public housing is, is available. Um, it's not easy to work with, but uh, you know, since housing can be one of our biggest expenses, um, if you don't have a lot of money, um, it's worth checking into whether you can, whether you can get into housing that, uh, um, that will save you, uh, save you money. And I wouldn't want you to be in an unsafe situation, but another way that you can save money on housing is by living with a friend or a relative or, you know, a, a roommate and splitting the cost that can have lots of mental health benefits as well. Uh, you know, living, living by yourself. I, some of us really enjoy that. Um, but, uh, you know, when I was, when I was, uh, younger, I almost always lived with somebody. And it was so great because, uh, you know, we would get to be friends. We would hang out together and watch TV and, and do stuff at home. You had someone to talk to, um, but we also found that we would, we would go out together, you know, to the store to buy groceries to the, uh, once in a while to see a movie or, or, uh, you know, just to, to go out and have some fun. So you, you have benefits that are beyond the cost sharing if you can find the right roommate. So that can definitely help. And it doesn't have to be just one roommate either. It could be multiple roommates. If you, uh, if you can find, uh, say, two people to share a place with, then you can split the cost among the three of you. And uh, if you're lucky enough to be able to find, say, uh, a two-bedroom or a three-bedroom uh, apartment uh, for $1,500 or a house, well, that could mean that 
each of you is spending $500 on, on rent and, and uh, that can really help you out. So then utilities uh, is another thing that can be really expensive for many of us. And, and there are, of course, utility assistance programs, particularly for people on, on lower incomes. Again, I have a link to uh, some specific assistance programs in Kentucky that I will send out if people need them. But uh, in addition to uh, assistance programs, there are, are behavioral things that you can do. For example, in the winter time, if it's cold, make sure that the curtains on your windows, especially windows that face the sunshine, are open and let the sun heat your home for you for part of the day. And that'll save you money on uh, sometimes a, you know, up to 15%, which if you have a $100 heat bill could be, uh, you know, it could save you 15 bucks. Um, so that could be a big deal in the winter. In the summer, you want to do just the opposite, though. Make sure that the curtains are closed whenever the sun is shining in the windows. And that'll keep your house cooled off, and it'll save on your air conditioning bills. And uh, I've been to Kentucky in the summer. I know that it's, it's uh, you know, sometimes hot and sweaty. Um, but... There are going to be nights where, uh, you know, when the sun goes down, it's going to be more pleasant at night. It's going to be cooler out. Maybe you turn the air conditioning on during the day. And maybe you turn it off when the sun goes down. And uh, open up the windows and let some fresh air in. And, and that can save you money, too. That's utilities. Internet. I think of internet as being a must-have expense for us these days, even more than telephone. Um, internet connection, uh, internet connectivity helps you to connect with uh, medical professionals through virtual visits. It helps you to connect with potential employers or even to work remotely. Sometimes, um, a lot of times now, now after the pandemic. And uh, there is a website um, called cheapinternet.com where people have put together ways of getting low-cost internet all over the country, including Kentucky. And I've got a link, uh, link to that that I will send out as well. So, uh, you know, if you can cut down all of those costs for utilities... Um, then suddenly, say $500 for rent, if you're living with roommates, maybe if you can keep your utilities down to, I don't know, let's say uh, another $250. Well, that, get, that gives you $250 a month for your, for your groceries and, and your general living expenses. And for a single person, um, two, $250 a month can probably, uh, can probably work. 
Um, although groceries are are increasing in in price, you know we know that there's there's inflation going on and the cost of everything is going up. But uh, this has happened before, and people have gotten through it, and we'll get through it again this time. And uh, people people have found ways to cope. One of the things that happens whenever the price of something goes up. Someone steps in and they find a way to re, uh, to uh, put put something out that competes with with it that's a little cheaper. So we all know that buying generic brands is often, I mean, not maybe even more than often, it's always cheaper than buying the name brand item, and most of the time the generic brand is coming from the same source, the same factory. It might even be the same formulation as the, the name brand item. It just happens to be packaged differently. So try generics and see if you can see if you can live with the generic brand instead of the name brand. That can help you out a lot. If you must use a name brand for some reason though, Maybe try switching brands and see how that works out. I worked with somebody once who was spending $16 every month on a bottle of Tide dishwashing, uh, not dishwashing, uh, laundry, uh, laundry detergent, liquid Tide. And when we, uh, when we looked at this, we figured that there was an Arm & Hammer, you know, they make baking soda. Arm and Hammer dishwashing. I keep saying dishwashing, and I mean laundry. I don't know why I'm doing this. Um, Arm and Hammer laundry detergent that was perfectly acceptable, and it was only nine dollars. So that's seven bucks a month just by switching brands that uh, that you might be able to save. So so go and look for something that is a cheaper alternative. It is out there. And if worst comes to worst, see if you can live without it, depending on what it is. Because I don't want you to live without things that you absolutely have to have, like, uh, you know, uh, certain types of food that contain certain types of vitamins. Um, And eating healthy is really important. Did you know that spending money on slightly more expensive but healthier food will reduce your appetite? So you'll want to eat less because you'll feel more uh, more nourished. So don't go and buy the cheapest possible foods because it just makes you hungrier and you buy more food. Buy healthy foods. Um, and if you can't afford healthy foods, look for some alternatives that are just as healthy. For example, um, buying fruit out of season is very is very expensive. And I, I'm using fruit as an example because I love fruit. It's one of my favorite things ever. Frozen fruit or vegetables are just as healthy. I've spoken to a nutritionist who verified this for me, so I'm not just throwing this out here randomly. They're just as healthy, but they're a lot cheaper. So if you can, if you can buy frozen fruits and vegetables... 
um, instead of fresh ones. And that saves you money and, and also makes you feel nourished enough that you're, uh, you're not eating a bunch of, uh, inexpensive, but non-nourishing food that's, that's wasting your money, then, uh, that's a good thing. Um, and of course there's coupons, you know, and some of those coupons, uh, are, are available through sort of non sort of the traditional means like clipping things out of the newspaper, which if we're blind, that's not always the easiest thing in the world, but there are also apps available for coupons and, and there's a number of them. Um, so you can try one and, and see which ones are accessible and which ones work best for your situation. Um, you know, there's uh, there's uh, there's uh, apps that will give you coupons you can spend in the store, and then there are is a category of apps that will allow you to scan the receipt to see what you bought at the store, and then apply the coupons to the receipts. So basically, paying you back for what you overspent. That's pretty cool. So look for coupon apps. They can help to save you money too. Um, clothing. Again, don't buy the cheapest possible clothing. It's very tempting, especially when we are uh, when we are struggling to make ends meet. It's very tempting to want to buy the very lowest priced thing, and uh, and yet. There have actually been studies that have been done that have shown that that you really do get you what you pay for to a certain extent. For example, if you work on a job where you need to wear a where where you're on your feet all day and you need to wear a, a good pair of shoes, yeah, you might be able to buy a an inexpensive pair of shoes or work boots if you need boots for your job for 50 bucks and you might buy a new pair every year, but if you're able to spend a little bit more and you might need to save in order to do this, but if you can say spend $300 on a, a really good pair of work boots, that work, the, that pair of work boots might last you 10 years. Probably will. Cause it's probably made out of better materials that are going to hold up for a long time. And yeah, they, they might not look real good, but they're going to last. And uh, so you've now then saved yourself $20 a year on, on work boots by buying a, a $300 pair instead of a $50 pair. Same thing is true for clothing. Buying a cheap pair of jeans, they're going to wear out much more quickly than, uh, than a slightly more expensive pair. So uh, at least give, the, give some thought to that. Um, and make good buying decisions, not necessarily spending the least amount of money possible, but buying the best quality goods possible so that they last a long time. You don't have to buy them again. But, but the times that we buy are also important. Um, for example... During January and February is a good time to buy TVs. 
So is Black Friday, but it's a good time to buy TVs right around now because people buy TVs for the Super Bowl. And so there's lots of good deals on TVs leading up to the Super Bowl. And then, you know, the, the um, retailers stock up and they want to get rid of their extra stock if they have any leftovers. So then they end up having stuff on clearance after the Super Bowl. So uh, it's a good time to buy TVs now. Did you know that September is a good time to buy mattresses cheap? Yeah. Who knew that mattresses go on sale in September? Um, seasonal clothing. You can buy spring clothes cheap in May. Because that's when the stores are starting to get rid of them. So if you do a little bit of planning ahead and make sure that your spring clothes are going to last until the end of spring and then buy new spring clothes at the beginning of the summer, even if you got to put them away and you don't wear them until next spring, that can save you a bunch of money. There is a link that I will send out in the notes uh, that tells you some of the best things to buy on sale every month of the year because every month of the year has stuff like this if you're into tools what do you think the best time of the year to buy tools is it's it's the month of june because it's near father's day um best time to buy a new laptop is around uh august because it's back to school and laptops go on sale in august for back to school so uh, being able to hold off and buy things when they go on sale is, uh, is another way to give your wallet some love. However, however, you can really hurt your wallet by impulse buying something just because it's on sale. So it's important to know. And it's important to be aware that just because you see something at a great price now doesn't mean it's not going to appear as a, at that same price again later, because it will. And by knowing what some of these sale cycles are, you can plan ahead and you can, uh, you can choose to buy stuff that you, uh, that you know you're going to need at a time when it's likely to be on sale. The final thing that I talk about in, and again, I said that at the beginning of this, you could remember all of these things because they're as easy as ABC. So the final thing that I talk about is credit. Um, credit is a, a little bit like having, a, having savings. Every once in a while, you need to borrow money for some reason. Something comes up. And being able to borrow money inexpensively, because when you borrow money, you have to pay it back with interest, uh, meaning that you have to pay back more than you borrowed in order to pay it back. That's true whether you're using a credit card or taking out a loan from a bank. Any way of borrowing money, you always pay back more than you ended in, than you borrowed in the first place. So we want to use it as a last resort, but we also want to make sure that we have access to credit if or when we need it. In order to make sure that 
we can access credit as cheaply as possible, we want to make sure that we have a good credit score at all times. And it's really important to keep track of your credit score. I look at mine once a week because it's available in my in my mobile banking app under uh, I bank with Capital One. It's called called Credit Wise. Uh, Chase calls it Credit Journey. Uh, I also have a U.S. Bank credit card, so I, I've used their mobile app, and and uh, they can uh, show me my credit score as well. So it's real easy to get access to your credit score, and. Uh, I wouldn't focus necessarily on what your what your number is or whether your number is good or not. What I would focus on is what direction is it heading? From week to week, month to month, year to year, is it going up or is it going down? Especially when you're younger because uh, younger people don't have high credit scores yet. We haven't had enough time. We can watch them go up and, and we can behave in certain ways that can help to move them up if we understand what we're doing and why we're doing it. What we're doing is we're using credit wisely and we're showing the banks that we know how to use credit responsibly and that we will use credit responsibly so that the banks know that we can be trusted. The number one best way to do that is when, whenever you use a credit card, whenever you take out a loan, whenever you borrow money for any reason, pay it back on time. If you are not able to make payments on time, um, the exception to this if there's, is if there's just an emergency and you just, there's no, there's absolutely no way. But if you are not willing to make your payments on time every time, please don't use credit because it will just hurt you. So uh, make your payments on time. Do whatever you need to do to make that happen. Set up auto pay if that's the best way for you to keep track of it. Um, you don't have to use a lot of credit in order to, to, to do this. Put a... Uh, a Netflix bill for 15 bucks a month on a credit card and then set it up to auto pay just so that the banks see that you use credit and that you pay it off on time every time. There's services that are even set up to do this if you don't have a credit card. Experian Boost is one of them. But there's a few others. They don't cost anything most of the time. Sometimes they uh, charge a little bit of a fee. Um, Experian Boost though is free and it's easy to use. It's easy to get, uh, to get set up with them. Basically they go through and they look for payments that you've made on a regular basis to utilities, to subscriptions like Netflix and Hulu and whatever. And they, and they report those to the uh, credit bureaus. And, uh, that shows that you're making your payments on time. That'll make your credit score go up. But if you have a credit card, one of the best ways to use that credit card is to put some regular subscription that is small onto that card and then pay that, pay that subscription off every month. Don't take out too many loans or don't apply for too many things too often. 
open up a new credit card, say once or twice a year, and then leave it at that. More you, the more you apply for, the riskier you look to the banks. But finally, just wait. You know, behave behave that way, like we just talked about, and just wait because over time, as you show that you've made good decisions, your credit score will go up naturally. So do those things. Watch your credit score. It'll go up. It could take a long time, but it will go up, and that'll mean that you have less expensive access to credit when you need it if something comes up. These things are as easy as ABC assets or things that you're saving that are going to earn interest and and uh, help you to build wealth, maybe through an ABLE account or something like that. Budgeting. We talked about budgeting and ways to reduce your expenses so that you can stay on budget and healthy credit. Assets, budgeting, and credit, ABC. Well, this has been a good group. If you have questions about the Kentucky Council of the Blind or you need information on resources for people with vision loss, call us at 502-895-4598 or email us at kcb at kentucky-acb.org. Sound Prince is a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind and is heard each week on ACB Radio Mainstream at acbradio.org, Central Kentucky Radio I at radioi.org, and the KCB website at www.kentucky-acb.org. Complete schedule information is also available on the website. Sound Prince is underwritten by the Louisville Downtown Lions Club, and by the American Printing House for the Blind. This is Carla Rushable for Soundprints. Have a great week, everybody.